First of all, I just got a call saying that it's been announced that it is a real draft, but it doesn't represent who's going to vote for it yet. I hope there are not enough votes for it. President Biden yesterday, and of course, you had the vice president. She went out there and uh, ended up rallying the radicals outside of the Supreme Court with uh, what appeared to be a, a bit of a, a veiled threat of, of sorts, I suppose. The how dare they chance. And then you had President Biden say that. One thing that was, I, I thought, noteworthy, you did have Chief Justice John Roberts, which if you read the tea leaves in that draft, he would be a dissenting opinion there. So he's would be the dissenter to the Alito draft league. He said that the court will not be moved by the league. Hope he's right in that regard. Also hope the FBI doesn't waste any time in bringing justice here. As we talked to you yesterday, this should be one of the easiest cases ever to get to the bottom of. Joining us, our Lieutenant Governor Jeanette Nunez. Lieutenant Governor, how are you? Good morning, Brian. Doing well. How are you? Yeah, likewise. And I uh, want to start there with the Supreme Court leak. First, your your thoughts about the, the leak and, and the drafts by Justice Alito. Well, what a what a breach of trust, what a breach of professionalism. I mean, I think it is absolutely abhorrent that somebody that works within the U.S. Supreme Court, our, our highest court in, in our nation, would do such a thing, clearly with the intent to gin up, to whip up the frenzy, which, of course, in perfect fashion, they do what they do. Uh, you see people protesting and everyone from the vice president to gubernatorial candidates going to spots to, to protest and to say that women's rights are, are being a, a bridge. And so it's just really, it, it's on point for the left, the radical left, to do what they do. Uh, but for, for that to happen in the highest court in our land, I think it is really just uh, an abomination. About Florida's law in particular, obviously the implications are significant here as it pertains to the recently ratified law, which prohibits abortions after 15 weeks in almost all instances. What's your read on that? So, and I'm going to be very clear, and I think that is obvious based on our position, based on the legislation and and what you indicated just now. You know, we are very much staunchly pro-life, the governor and I. Uh, We are always going to fight on behalf of the unborn. We're always going to fight on behalf of the vulnerable. And so as Florida's law gets implemented, we expect fully for it to be challenged, um, regardless of what happens, right, with the uh, Roe v. Wade uh, discussion and the opinion and what it ends up looking like. But we expect Florida's law to be challenged. We feel confident that it will be upheld. Uh, but we'll have to go through that process uh, and we'll have to wait and see what, what happens in the judicial proceedings. But we feel confident that the law will be upheld. We feel confident that moving forward, uh, that 15 weeks will be the, the limitation. And so moving in a direction that we feel is a good direction, for, for for so many reasons, we, we're pretty confident that that will come to fruition, and we'll just have to wait it out. Senator Governor, interested to get your thoughts about the political calculus here as well. I'm kind of a, of the mindset, and I have some data I'm going to get into tomorrow, that maybe the conventional wisdom that this is going to be this huge catalyst for the left heading into the midterms, that maybe... That is misreading where the average person is. I mean, we certainly have a lot of data from our own state. 
based upon the law that was recently passed. And I'm sure you have your own sense of things. What's your read? So my read, Brian, is, is quite simple. I think that you're right. I think it was a purposeful attempt uh, from the left, whoever released that. I don't think it was with good intentions. I think we all agree, no matter what your, your political bent is. But I think that when they do that with the express purpose of trying to stem the tide, because they know what's coming in November, they know it's going to be a slaughter for them, uh, both at the state level and at the at the federal level. Um, they think that by doing this, they will be able to capitalize on this uh, pervasive feeling that that is the only issue voters care about. Um, it is a miscalculation on their part, just like every step of the way they miscalculate everything from trying to uh, to obtain the Latino vote and the Hispanic vote to, to how you handle COVID. And, and they're backpedaling and their consistent desire to appease what they think is the base of their party, uh, but is leading them down a, a very dangerous path. I think the vast majority of people look at elections holistically when they're voting, if they are not a decided voter, right? The, the voters that we know that are those independent voters that are, that are really examining the positions, they look at the totality of the policy and the platforms and they look at the totality of, of the record, right? So in our case, we feel very, very strong about our record. We feel that we have been able to accomplish so much for Floridians. And so while they think that this one issue is going to create a whole new uh, wedge with some of those independent-minded voters, I think that is, yet again, a miscalculation on their part. I really don't know who's running the party at any level. Um, I think that they are misguided. I think their approach has been completely off-base, and I think that they will see come November uh, that they have some soul-searching to do. Speaking of the elections, Florida's new Office of Election Crimes and Security, of course, part of the new election integrity reforms. Uh, Can you give us an idea of what the rollout of this will look like and what may happen before November's elections? Yeah, well, as you know, we've made election integrity an important part of our uh, positions, not just now, but, you know, going back to last year as well. We were talking about election integrity way before um, some of the more recent discussions have come up. And so what this bill does, and, and I know you always have all the information, Brian, I always say when I go on your show, you got to be really prepared because Brian knows <laughs> all. Uh, but we, we want to make sure that we're increasing penalties for ballot harvesting. I think everyone agrees uh, ballot harvesting is a real problem. And so we're increasing those penalties from a first-degree misdemeanor to a third-degree felony. Um, so there will be real significant and stiff penalties for those that try to manipulate votes and try to take advantage of, especially the elderly in South Florida in particular, um, as we well know. Uh, In addition, we're requiring supervisors of elections to check the voter rolls every year. Uh, And then the Office of Election Crimes and Security, which is the the talking point that the left loves to to say, you know, DeSantis is creating his own election police. Um, That is truly, uh, that is an effort that we envision really focusing on uh, the investigation of allegations of voter fraud. And you and I, I'm sure, both know instances where people reach out. I'm sure your listeners call and say, oh, you know, this person received three ballots at their home. I myself have gotten uh, calls from people that I know concerned about certain things. And so really there's nowhere to go, right? So you, you don't even know what to do. You call your elections department. They clearly don't pay attention. Um, they're supposed to obviously work with state's attorneys if there is indeed evidence of, of uh, electoral fraud. But there's really nowhere to go, and there's really no uh, consequences in real time. 
if indeed there are instances of fraud. And so this will allow for an opportunity to investigate in real time uh, through this office that will provide the voters with the assurances that our elections are not only free, but that they're fair. And I think that that has been something that we've really focused on. We want it, to, you know, we want people the, the opportunity to vote. We, that is um, something that is so sacred here. Uh, we're 90 miles from our shores. People do not have that that right. They do not have that privilege. So uh, I think that it is something that we've been very, very vocal on, and we want to make sure that voters in Florida have the utmost confidence in their elections and in the outcomes of their elections. And that is something that we'll always talk about. And I think that the left, again, they don't like to talk about it. They want to make it uh, so that, you know, anyone can show up. They, you know, New York wants illegals to vote. I mean, it's just it's, it's ridiculous. And so we're going to always be on the side of free and fair elections. And with that comes, uh, obviously, there are instances of fraud, and we want those instances to be investigated appropriately, timely, and we want there to be outcomes and, and accountability in that. And to the lieutenant governor's point, and that we've talked about extensively on the show, including with the Public Interest Legal Foundation, there remain 156 outstanding officially referred cases of voter fraud in our state, most right here in South Florida, between Broward, Miami-Dade, and Palm Beach counties. State attorneys in all three counties refuse to even discuss those cases. Not one of them has been willing to have that conversation with me. Lieutenant Governor, um, real quick, the insurance, property insurance special session, this is something I was thrilled to see, desperately needed. Just yesterday, you had one of the ratings agencies, AM, uh, AB Best, uh, AM Best, rather, come out with a report saying that uh, it is essential that we have meaningful reform to stabilize our market, citing the overall risk of our market, but also the litigiousness your expectations heading into the special. Yeah, and, and I think that that really captures the essence of some of the, the, the big overarching problems. You know, we're heading into hurricane season. I hate to say it, June 1st, we all know here, especially in South Florida, we, we're very accustomed to having to deal with uh, hurricanes and major storms. But what we, what we need to focus on, obviously, from the standpoint of this upcoming uh, special session, we understand that there are areas in this state that the increases in premiums are, are just simply unsustainable. Uh, I, I, in my own family, uh, my in-laws, their insurance went from 5000 to 11000 I mean, they're elderly. How, how do you sustain that, um, especially from the standpoint of those that are on fixed income, those that are elderly and retired? So when we look at what we want to accomplish, you know, I think some of the facts that were laid out in the special session proclamation indicate very clearly what you spoke to, the litigiousness of Florida, South Florida in particular. Florida, which accounts for um, only 9% of the homeowners' claims, uh, they have 79% of the insurance lawsuits. Um, so clearly, I think that is an area that we want to see some reform. Uh, legal reform is essential to stabilizing the market. Um, you know, some of those solicitations uh, around roofs, which, as you know, the legislation, um, they, 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 and there's a stay currently. This court struck it down. They, they claimed it's violations of free speech. We're in the process of dealing with that. But I also think that we want to look at it from the standpoint of, you know, weeding out some of that fraud, These those unscrupulous contractors, both um, on the insurance side, from the standpoint of those that are soliciting, but also on the on the legal side. So as we look to uh, real tangible objectives from the special session, I think if we can tackle some of that and work towards bringing, I think first and foremost, protections and providing relief to consumers, 
uh, and then providing consumers with more choices. You know, Citizens, as you well know, Brian, was set up to be the insurer of last resort, and unfortunately, it's become, in many cases, the only option for, for Floridians. And so as we look to bring some relief, make sure that our market is stabilized, and as as insurance companies are either uh, leaving the market or not writing new policies, this is an issue that, that pops up pretty pretty frequently. Uh, I recall dealing with it in the legislature, and obviously here we are uh, having to deal with it again. So our hope is to come up with a, a broad enough piece of legislation that will satisfy some of those some of those factors that we've talked about, again, the litigiousness, but, but some of the other factors that, that we're hopeful. Again, we're waiting to see what the language looks like. So I hate to say stay tuned, but you're going to have to stay tuned. Yeah, we need the legislature to stick the landing on this one. Lieutenant Governor Jeanette Nunez, appreciated as always. Thank you. Take care. All right. You're listening to The Brian Mudd Show. News Radio 610 WIOD. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.